When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. My hands trembled as I tapped out the secret knock on the service door. I noticed the tremors and reached down to steady myself. A wave of nausea passed over me for a moment before dissipating as quickly as it came. And then the door opened. Amanda creaked the door open and peeked out. You alone? She asked, her eyes darting back and forth scanning the area behind me. I wouldn't have knocked if I wasn't, I replied. Now can I please come inside? It's been a long day. Her answer came a few seconds later as the heavy service doors swung outward and Amanda held it open for me. She scanned the area one last time before following me inside and letting the doors slam shut behind her. Oh, I'm sorry about that, she said as she took a couple of half jog steps to catch up with my quick stride. I was the only one who had a run to make today, right? I asked, passing the bag full of scavenged goods over to Amanda. She took it and slung it over her shoulder. Yeah, you were the only one. But those things out there are getting smarter. Our eyes on the roof say they've been acting differently out in the streets. That the attacks almost look coordinated. I stopped and looked Amanda dead in the eyes. She met my gaze without blinking. Are you being serious right now? I asked her. Deadly. We held our eye contact for a moment more as the implications of that thought sank in. And then, without a word, I turned and began making my way toward the stairs. It was a long, miserable climb up to the seventh floor where my room was, and it took me twice as long because I had to stop and double over every couple of flights due to the nausea. Thankfully, I didn't bump into anyone on my way up. The door to my room swung slowly shut, and I flipped the extra security lock over it before stumbling into the bathroom. I switched on the camping lantern on the counter and lifted up my shirt for confirmation of what I already knew. On the side of my abdomen, just above my hip, was my death sentence. Loose flesh hung over the center of the wound, barely connected to my body, and a steady trickle of blood seeped out with each breath I took. Thank God for my jacket. It was the only reason Amanda didn't immediately see the bite. She would never have let me back in if she knew, and if she found out now, they'd have thrown me off the roof. No use wasting ammo on someone who wasn't actively trying to eat you. Another wave of sickness rocked me to my core, and I clamped the towel over the wound on my side. A soft grunt escaped my clenched teeth, but I managed to keep mostly silent. The last thing I needed was my neighbors getting suspicious. After the nausea passed, I slowly bent over to get my first aid kit out from under the sink. 
Then I stumbled out of the bathroom and plucked my contraband whiskey out from its hiding spot under the bed. Food and drinks were strictly rationed in our group, but Amanda managed to sneak me a bottle of hooch as a favor. She had her fair share of it too though. After all, Amanda and I had gotten on rather good at passing the time together. That is, if you catch my drift. I took a long pull straight from the bottle and exhaled deeply as fire burned its way down the back of my throat. Then, I bit down on the towel and began stitching. I almost blacked out from the pain on multiple occasions, but after a half hour of touch-and-go threading, the wound was mostly closed. My work was sloppy though, and I knew I may need to redo it later if I moved wrong, but at least there wasn't an immediate threat of a hunk of flesh falling off me anywhere. Carefully placing a bandage over my side and taping it down, I finished the patch job and flicked off the lantern before stumbling into my room and pulling myself into bed. The sun was just beginning to set through the cracks between the curtains as I closed my eyes, and I was out in minutes. Strange dreams plagued me in my sleep. Visions of rot and decay played out before me. Fruits and vegetables grew brown and moldy before being replaced with desserts and sweets, which followed the same cycle as insects swarmed and devoured. Every food I have ever enjoyed decayed before my eyes, leaving me revolted and empty. The last thing I saw before waking up was a hand reaching out to me. I woke up before dawn, my stomach still churning from the dreams I had just had. Pulling back the covers and turning on my flashlight, I breathed a sigh of relief when I saw that my bandages hadn't bled through. Maybe things were going to be okay. Too disturbed by my dreams to go back to sleep, I threw on some clothes and headed up to the roof. Anthony was on watch when I got up there, but he was practically asleep. His eyes half shut snapped open when I called out his name, and he whirled around with a rifle in hand. I ducked instinctively, and was shocked at how little my side hurt when I did, and I wondered if it had ached at all since I'd woken up. Whoa, seriously man? I called out with my hands in the air. A look of recognition replaced the panic before immediately being replaced again by exhaustion. Yeah, sorry, Anthony said as he lowered the gun and rubbed his eyes with his thumb and forefinger. My dude, you can't go around sneaking up on people like that, especially when they're sleeping. Yeah, but you're supposed to be on watch, I said as I reached out a hand and helped him get out of the folding chair. So... This should be a non-issue. After a few minutes of idle chatting and another cryptic reference to a new and startling behavior among the hordes, I relieved Anthony of his duties and picked up a pair of binoculars. It was time for me to see what they were talking about. The outbreak started just a few months ago. People started getting sick. Then they started growing aggressive. And next came the hunger. Whatever was making people sick was also making them more primal. Cognitive function waned as baser urges took over, 
seemingly dominated by the greatest impulse of them all. To eat. Society collapsed in months. Hordes of ravenous infectees took over major cities in a matter of weeks, and the mass exoduses brought the disease straight to small-town America. Some of the last news broadcasts that aired before the lights went out said that most other countries were closing borders to American flights and ships. But it was already too late. Cases had been documented on every continent except for Antarctica. I walked over to the ledge and raised the binoculars to my eyes. You could see most of the city from the roof of the hotel where we took refuge. The sun was barely peeking over the horizon, but smoldering flames still glowed and burnt out husks of a few buildings, gently illuminating the vacant faces of shambling infectees. I scanned their ranks, looking for any signs of organization or intelligence, but there was nothing. Turning my gaze eastward, I finally caught a glimpse of something other than shuffling. I watched as a group of survivors slowly made their way up the on-ramp to the highway. It was a sound strategy. Most of the food for the infectees was to be found in the streets below, which meant that the highway above the city was generally a safer way to travel. It was when I looked further down the road that I saw the new behavior that Anthony and Amanda had warned me about. Moving through the shadows behind cars were a half a dozen infectees. They prowled slowly, regularly peering through windshields and under vehicles as they tracked the survivors. Two of the creatures wormed their way under cars near the center of the road as the other four positioned themselves off to the sides. It was an ambush. The survivors didn't stand a chance. I watched in horror as the first infectee reached a hand out from under the car and grabbed a hold of a survivor's ankle before sinking its teeth in. He screamed out in pain, drawing the attention of the rest of his group. That's when the others pounced. It was over in minutes, and the infected only lost one member of their ranks in the attack. They were organizing. I stood there for several minutes and watched the five remaining creatures as they enjoyed their meal. There was something different about these ones, even outside of the coordinated attack. Most of the infected simply collapse on top of their victims and start gnawing mindlessly. But these didn't. They tore off chunks of flesh and raised them to their mouths to eat, even grazing at the area around them while they chewed. Most of the creatures seemed vacant and mindless, but these things looked aware. I was pulled out of my observation by Janelle, who had the shift after Anthony. I explained to her that I took the last bit of the shift, then walked across the roof to head inside. The sun had risen while I watched the attack, which meant that breakfast would be served soon. I didn't think I'd have much of an appetite after what I had just witnessed, but it would at least give me a chance to touch base with Amanda. We needed to talk at length about this new development. I arrived in the lobby to find a meeting in progress. Apparently, I wasn't the only one who thought the disease's new evolution was worth discussing. 
Amanda had saved me a seat next to her and offered me an apple when I sat down. I thanked her but declined, my mind going back to the dream I had had the night before. Definitely no appetite for fruit after that. The meeting dragged on for the greater part of the morning as the leaders of our group debated heatedly over our options. Some wanted to start gathering supplies more aggressively before this new strain evolved any further, while others wanted us to double down on our food production attempts. I'm normally not one for picking sides, but I'd seen our pitiful attempts at a garden on the roof that morning, and I knew that the only options were to scavenge more or get out of the city. At least there was a better chance of growing crops out in the country. My stomach growled loudly in the middle of the meeting, and Amanda offered me the apple once more. I relented and took it from her, forcing myself to slowly choke it down over the course of several minutes. It tasted like ash in my mouth. After the meeting finally ended, Amanda asked if I wanted to go back to her room, but I told her I couldn't yet. I wanted to pick up an extra shift on the roof to watch the movement patterns of the new strain. She pressed a little more, clearly wanting to clear her mind of everything we had just talked about. I finally managed to get her to relent when I told her that we could meet up that night. I made a quick pit stop in my room before heading up to the roof. I wanted to check my bandages again. I had felt fine all morning, part of me wondered if I had imagined the bite, but then flashes of the memory welled up and reminded me that it had, in fact, happened. Shocked to find that my bandages still hadn't bled through, I gingerly placed a hand on my side. My touch was met not with outright pain, but with a dull ache. Curious, I bent over the same way I had that morning when Anthony pulled the gun on me, and found that even that barely registered as discomfort. I knew the bite was a death sentence, but it usually took days, and there are plenty of nasty symptoms that had to show up before it did me in. Hiding a wound was one of the worst things you could do in this new world we found ourselves living in, but I think you'd be surprised how much you're willing to hide when it's your life on the line. Besides, Part of me held out and hoped that I could be immune. So I spent the rest of the morning and early afternoon up on the roof, scanning through the streets, looking for more of the intelligent infectees. I managed to find a group of them after a while, and watch with morbid fascination as they seemed to track their prey. I decided I needed a break when I found myself rooting for them in their hunt. Then I called it quits entirely when I felt my stomach rumble while I watched them eat their most recent kill. After the next guy came up to the roof to start his shift, I went down to my room again. That fascination crept back in after a little bit of time alone, and I ended up spending the entire afternoon and evening staring out my window into the streets below. The infectees looked like ants without binoculars to help me see closer, but I made the most with what I had. I watched them out there, moving through the streets, eating freely, and never growing full. I was 
salivating by the time I heard a knock on my door. Amanda. The sunset illuminated her as I opened the door. She leaned seductively against the doorframe, loosely draped in a hotel robe. I stood and stared at her body. At her flesh. Well, aren't you going to invite me in? She asked through a sly smile. I nodded, my mouth agape, and stepped out of her way, looking both ways down the hall before following her inside. Amanda blessed me with my first meal that night. After I cleaned up, I made my way down to the service door and propped it open. I couldn't keep such a feast to myself. Now could I? <laughs>